The following podcast is a live recording of a radio show first broadcast by Fresh FM with assistance from New Zealand On Air. Fresh FM is a community access media station based in Te Tauihu, the top of the South Island, New Zealand. If you or your group would like to know more about how you can have a program on our station, please contact us. Visit our website freshfm.net for our contact details. Hey guys, it's Stu. Welcome to The Resilient Show. Thank you so much for your patience last week, but let's get started with a little bit of music.
and that was Belinda Carlisle, and we want the same thing. I'm quite sure it's true. Do we not all just want the same thing, do we? I think that's really much the case. Um, well, welcome to the welcome to the show. Welcome to the Resilient Show. I'm Stu Darling, your host for the next 90 minutes or so on Fresh FM. Wherever you are on planet Earth, or quite frankly, off planet Earth, you can listen to the show at www.freshfm.net. If you're in Nelson CBD, you're going to be listening on 107.2 FM. If you're in the Nelson Tasman area, it's 104.8 FM. If you're over the hill to um, up towards Golden Bay, it's 95 FM. And if you're in the glorious town of Blenheim, we are on 88.9 FM. Well, welcome to the show and thank you so much for your patience. I know last week was a recorded show. It was a re-recording of the um, of the show that um, I did the previous week when I spoke to the Lady Elizabeth about health and wellness. <laughs> and then what happens? Well, then the Lady Elizabeth and I caught COVID. Yep, we um, so we um, we isolated for um for for our time. We are both clear now. Fortunately, oh, I tell you what, don't get it really. Oh man, um, and if you do, be kind to yourself. If you do come down with COVID, be kind to yourself. Take a break um, and you know, just let it wash through your system so that you can then get back up and get on with life, which is what we are doing. Um, we are back to it. We all want the same thing, don't we? We want we want to be moving on with life. We want to be getting on with it. And um, yeah, it's just the new world that we that we live in. Well, today's show... Today's show is entitled Work. Hmm, yeah, I know, Work. And it's dedicated to everyone who has found a new way of doing things over the last couple of years. Because it has changed, hasn't it? Things have changed over the last couple of years. People are working from home. People are working more remotely. We're using um, you know, we're using FaceTime and Zoom and other apps so that we can see one another. And yeah, it's, it's just changed the way that businesses have got to work. So I am really, really excited to, to announce that later on today... Um, we will be talking to Nina Fountain, um, who is the founder and owner of a business that helps us do exactly that. Her business is called Transformed Teams, and they help organizations build an attractive, productive hybrid workplace. So we'll be talking to Nina about what that actually means and how long she's been doing it for, because she's been doing it for an awful lot longer than um, those of us who just realized that we maybe had to start thinking about doing it um, a couple of years ago. So we're also going to be talking about work and jobs and the whole point of it and what to do if we don't like it and how to how to instill a great work ethic in um, in our kids or ourselves. And I have got an absolutely amazing book review for you today. I must say, one of the... If, look, I look for positives in everything I can. Um, and if I look for a positive in, um, in actually having COVID, it's that I had time. I had time to catch up. Um, I read five books. 
Some of them were novels, and there's nothing wrong with that at all, but um, I managed to finish um, finish two books that have been sitting there waiting for me just to um, create the time. Well, the time was created for me, um, and that then allowed me to, um, to sit down and read, and uh, I'm going to share one of those books with you later on today in the show. Um, and uh, as I say, we're going to be talking to Nina about um, your hybrid working and, uh, and how all that can work. And while I know that Nina works for larger organisations, I'm quite sure that she is going to have some great hints, 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 great hints and tips that we can all use um, to, um, yeah, to maybe think about working more smartly for the future. A um, little bit more music now. Here is a bit of Adele when we were young. Everybody loves the things you do From the way you talk To the way you move Everybody here is watching you Cause you feel like home You're like a dream come true But if by chance you're here alone Can I have a moment Before I go Cause I've been by myself all night long Hoping you're someone I used to know You look like a movie You sound like a soul my God, this reminds me of when we were young. Let me photograph you in this light in case it is the last time that we might be exactly like we were before we realized we were so of getting old and made us restless. It was just like a movie. Just like a song I was so scared to face my fears Nobody told me That you'd be here And I swear you moved overseas That's what you said When you Just like a soul. When we were young, when we were young, when we were young. 
When we were young from the album 25 I, I, I don't listen to enough Adele it really is actually quite good isn't it um, that's, that's probably why she does so well I think there's something on the telly with her coming up with um, you're doing a live show to um, yeah, in one of the, the, the big music halls in London certainly worth a watch so that was Adele this is the resilient show on Fresh FM how is your Friday going are you at work Do you do that nine to five thing? Are you on that 40 hours a week grind? Or maybe more than that. Maybe you get paid 40 hours a week, but you work more than that. Hmm. Yes, I think um, I think that sometimes happens to um, to a few too many of us. Do you um, do you enjoy what you do when you go out the door to work? Now, look, I get it. I get it that um, there are bills to pay. I completely understand. but we spend an awful lot of our time at work. Do you enjoy it? It's one of the questions that we spend an awful lot of time working through with uh, with our clients in any of the Rediscovering Resilience programs. Um, yeah, we work through what wealth means to them. And you've heard me talk about wealth on this show before and the eight pillars of wealth rather than just that one that has to do with the cash in your pocket or the cash flowing out of your pocket, if that's the case. But we spend so much of our time at work in our job. Do you enjoy it? I think it was Steve Jobs that said, um, if you look in the mirror too many mornings in a row and you don't like what you see, then it's time for a change. I'm sure he put it far more eloquently than that. I'm paraphrasing, but it's true. If you're looking in the mirror each day thinking, oh, if you go to work and you think, oh, well, do you know, maybe it's time to change. And we call it our mission. When we're when we're talking to um, rediscovering resilient students, we don't talk about having a job, or we talk about work, because man, work sounds tough, doesn't it? Work sounds oh, it's like work, and having a job. I'm just over broke. Hmm. Um. Yeah. But what's your mission? 
What's your mission in life? What are you there to do? That's why I'm so excited to invite Nina Fountain onto the show um, in the um, in the next few minutes. In fact, to um, to actually talk about you know, at, at the happy, healthy, hybrid workplace, um, because we should actually enjoy what we do. And if we're not enjoying what we do, if it's just about making our ends meet, then it's not aligned to our purpose, is it? It's not aligned to what makes us excited. I think I've had, hmm, I've probably had one job in my whole life, one job that I wasn't that keen on. It's still the job that I call my grown up job. <laughs> and it was, I was in an office. Um, I wasn't commanding any troops. I wasn't involved in operations. I was. I had a really, really important role, and I talk about it in the book "Lead Through Life." Um, yeah, I was doing great, great things, but it was my grown-up job. I had to do lots of writing. I had to do lots of briefings, and it just, it just wasn't really me. I made lots of career decisions during my time in the military that were all about doing the jobs that I knew I would love doing. Whereas my seniors were saying, you've got to do that job. You've got to go here. You've got to do that. It'll look good for your career. And I'm thinking, well, it might look good for my career, but if I'm not enjoying it, um, well, well yeah, as, as the Lady Elizabeth says, this ain't no dress rehearsal. So what is... What is your mission? What is your mission on this here planet Earth? And are you aligned to it when you go out the door every morning to work? What's the last two years taught you about your job? I mean, they're talking about the great, oh, what's it called? The great resignation at the moment, where everyone's giving up their job. Um, everyone. Everyone's giving up their job. Everyone's looking for a new job to do. Um well, uh, yeah, I'm quite sure it's not quite like that, but it's yeah, this two-year period has given us all an opportunity to say, do I like what I do? Do I enjoy this thing that pays the bills? Or is that the only reason I'm doing it? Now, as I say, that might be good enough. That might be good enough for you and you fulfill your life elsewhere with your friends and family, with the hobbies that you do, with your, you know, with your, with your relationships. Of course, that your your purpose might be outside of the thing that pays the bills but what's the last 2 years taught you about um about what you enjoy doing um yeah i tell you what being this whole covid thing and look you we were both so fortunate that it felt like a heavy cold that just wouldn't go away we were very very fortunate that it wasn't any worse than that um but oh, I tell you what, I'm over it. I'm over it. I got way behind on recording the podcasts. We had to do a recorded show for last week. Fortunately, we didn't have any workshops um, in the last week. But you know, all of those things just showed me that, do you know what? I love what I do. I really, really enjoy what I do. I love helping folks. I love running workshops. I love working with our with our clients, whether it's the online clients or the one-to-one clients. I am so fortunate that I have a mission that truly is my mission of reaching out to 10 million people in the next 10 years. That's what it looks like for me. It's exciting. I, I feel alive when I talk about it. And when 
yeah, when I was being careful, when I was trying to look after myself, <laughs> oh, there's a little cough coming back. Um, when I was trying to look after myself over the last 10 days, oh, I just wanted to get back to it. Is that how you feel about your job? Is that how you feel about the role that you have in this world? Because if it is how you feel, then that's absolutely awesome. If it's not quite there, then um, then yeah, maybe it's time to actually think about what your job is. We're going to talk later on about how to instill the right sort of work ethic in our children and yeah, in, in ourselves, really, if we're just a little bit over it. But I'm really, really excited because after this, we're going to talk to Nina all about transforming workplaces and actually getting in amongst it. Because, you know, whatever happens, whatever happens, there are jobs to be done. Sometimes the show just must go on. Yesterday, we grow but never die. I 
that was um that was queen and uh, the show must go on now sorry i nearly missed that one because i'm so busy talking to our um our next guest our our first guest of the day um nina uh, nina fountain from transformed teams nina good morning Good morning. Great to be here. Great to have you here. I am so, so excited to um, to be talking to you about something that most of us only really thought about over the last two years, transforming the way we work. But you've been doing it for a lot longer than that. So tell us a little bit about you and how you got started. I got interested in teams through communication and it first came about when I started my career as a health professional with a communication sciences degree. And I went into hospitals and rehab clinics and worked with people who had communication issues and got to understand science and how does communication work. And then I found myself in government once I'd finished that career and pushed every door and was looking for something more interesting for me. That's plenty interesting for lots of people, but it just wasn't it wasn't floating my boat anymore. And I found that um, in that this work around telework, which was what we called it back in 2012, <laughs> was was all about communication. And I'd always been looking for a way to bring that um, that knowledge into into the business world. So I yeah have followed that road and found that communication has been an incredible key for so just work. just backing up a little bit before we dive into the now which i'm really excited to get to just backing up a little bit you spoke about going in and talking to people in rehab and and that's it now this is the resilient show as we as we spoke about just briefly in the um, in the gap um that um you know we we've we've touched on some fairly gnarly issues here how did you how did you, using your communication skills, experience, how were you able to relate to people in that rehab space um, that mm. then allowed them to move forward? Yeah, I think it was surprising to people and it surprised me that when you're in a situation where people are incredibly in need with their communication, they they are so focused on what you can do to help and you are so focused on how you can help them that it's that combination of um, two sides coming together. You have this shared motivation to find a way for them to be able to, to move forward. So everything else drops away. Every All of, the, you know, what is that meant to them? All the challenges, the incredible um, arduous journey that some of their families are walking just drops away because you're focused on what can you do to help. That's and it's an incredible feeling. Sort of because it's the connection you're making. And I think sometimes mm-hmm. that's the, the key to communication is the connection. Um, you know, it's often said that we're too busy listening so that we can give our answer rather than yeah. listening so that we are in a position to be able to listen. Go yeah, figures. Really and exactly. Yeah, there's some fantastic quotes about that. Mm. So, really so true. Broad. So that was that was where we that, that was where we got started. I know I backtracked a little bit. Um, Transform Teams now. Transform Teams has been going for nine years now. Yeah. So since two thousand and thirteen, after doing the telework piece, so I led a strategy and implementation unit uh, for the Australian government. I saw the opportunity to take that knowledge into the private sector, mm-hmm. and I set up as a consultant and was able to take what I had seen. At that point, I'd seen a number of really significant employers doing flexible workplaces really well. 
um, achieving great things for their people and, and a win-win between those business outcomes of productivity, longevity, sustainability, and uh, what people were looking for at the time and, and are still looking for and are looking for even more now. So it was, um, it was a time when people thought that flexible work mm-hmm. was the conversation between a manager and their employee and that a flexible work agreement was all that was needed to bring flexible work about. Whereas these large employers like Commonwealth Bank, Zero, uh, Westpac, um, Zero was just emerging at the time. Um, but you know, a, a number of um, employers like Microsoft as well that we worked with, Cisco, they had seen the system around the flexible work and they had actually done a whole lot more than rely on the manager and the employee to, to make it work. So who's it for? Is it for the employer or is it for the employee? It firmly is for both. Mm -hmm. This is the beauty of it and partly what got me so interested. In fact, at the time, because cars on the road was a huge issue, Mm -hmm. it was really a win-win-win. There's a win for society as well by having people in in suburbs, being a a presence in their local community, taking cars off the road because we, we didn't have as much going on at the time in terms of renewables and mm-hmm. um, you know hybrid cars were a thing of the future in 2012 so so really where, yeah. where are you coming from is that and I don't know if you've read um, Mark Benioff's book Beyond the Cloud uh, about the setting of a sales force he's very much talks about um, profits people and planet now not in that order um, but you're very much you're looking after the three P's um, sounds like you're on the cutting edge of that stuff I believe so. I really do see that employers who take that human-centered approach and realize that their people are one of their most important and most expensive assets that they can't afford to do um, do wrong by them. They want to actually do right by them um, and create a workplace experience that, that brings out their best. Those employers tend to be the ones who, you know, who who invest in their people who um, who enjoy the benefits the benefits of it and have that long-term perspective and, and longer-term growth so yeah so it's not a um, I wouldn't say it's a fully mainstream concept that that actually there's a you know you can have a win-win in the workplace because there's a lot of employers who are thinking about a power dynamic mm-hmm. um, and actively maintaining, actively looking to maintain a power dynamic as opposed to actively looking to maintain a partnership with their people. And there, there, there's a whole nother show about the difference between management and leadership in that space, isn't there? Mm. Yes. That's a key point. Absolutely. Yeah, because leaders should all should all be about ensuring that the teams are working to the best of the organization's ability and the individual's ability that's leadership management is that control aspect that you mentioned yeah i think that's a really fantastic dichotomy that's essentially the the key difference between the two in my mind mm-hmm. certainly the leaders are looking to to inspire to direct to enable to do what they can to support people to be their best and to and they achieve you know they actually that taps into if if you look across the major leadership theories leadership that taps into how to enable and motivate and support people to be their best mm-hmm. is really at the core of most leadership theories. Yep. So management is something else. Management is 
something else altogether. Yeah, management's about the numbers. <laughs> and we'll, yeah. well, let's let's leave that one there. Management's about numbers. We'll park that because you, we'll have you back on the show some <laughs> other time to talk about that stuff. Um, so uh, just accelerating forward to the, to the last two years when all of a sudden, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I've worked with organisations that have tried to transform and tried to change, but actually, yeah, they bring in hot desks and yeah, everyone goes mm. to the same hot desk in the end. But because of the pandemic, um, the, the world, um, not just New Zealand, Australia, were forced to change the way that we looked at working. What are your thoughts on working from home versus working from the office? Mm, so we now got WFH and WFO and, and WTF. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Where's it all going? And, yeah. You know, um, what value does it offer and I think what's most fascinating is to look at the different um, the different groups or personas of um, the groups of preferences or personas we could call them mm-hmm. in the workplace where people are driven by different uh, motivations have different circumstances and have you know have as a result of that a different preference in terms of where they're going to work and which work they will get done in which place mm-hmm. and what's most productive for them. And so that means that there's no one size fits all. Mm-hmm. There's, there's really no, um, there'll be there'll be someone who swears black and blue that they can be incredibly productive, that they're contributing the most to their, to their company's culture when they're working from home mm-hmm. 98% of the time. And then there'll be someone who says, I can't understand how those people can work from home because the only way I'm productive is being in the office. And those people are often um, leaders, managers, and executives. Mm-hmm. So they're often they're really integrated into the culture and they need to do the type of communication that's quite nuanced. Yep. They need to be they're bringing people on board with change. They're, they're um, understanding sophisticated problems. They're needing to handle sensitive issues. And all of those things are done best face-to-face yeah, totally. with a person. So that's why, you know, the office and having people around really makes sense when you're at that manager, leader, or executive level. And that's what feels right. Mm-hmm. So for them, there's a real um, difficulty in understanding how can people be comfortable or feel, how can they really be contributing when they're working from home that's a trust thing isn't it mm-hmm. and yeah that's a that's a it's a trust thing and i think an empathy thing too mm-hmm. where there's uh the research has really clearly shown now that there's a, there's a strong gap between what employers think they're offering mm-hmm. and what people are actually experiencing in terms of flexibility. So one of them came out and, and leaders thought that 86% of leaders thought that they had flexibility around the hours. They were offering flexible hours to their staff. The same group of staff, the same employees mm-hmm. said 54%. I think that's, that's around that number. Right. There's almost a 30% gap in terms of perception and, and reality when it comes to flexibility. Also, I, th- I think absolutely mm-hmm. fascinating that um, you know, the two sides, I mean, yeah, everyone's looking to make this work because we spend so much time mm-hmm. at work. Everyone wants mm-hmm. to make it work, but through communication or lack of it, um, mm. it, it, it becomes a real challenge. Right, we're going to stop for a quick piece of music, and it will be quick, um, and then uh, we're going to jump back in, and I'm going to I'm going to challenge you to tell us how we actually go about making it work. Here we go. Mm-hmm. 
bed and I stumble to the kitchen Pour myself a cup of ambition And yawn and stretch and try to come to life Jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping Out on the streets the traffic starts jumping With folks like me on the job from nine to five Working nine to five What a way to make a living Barely getting by It's all taking and no giving They just use your mind Just a step on the boss man's ladder But you got dreams he'll never take away On the same boat with a lot of your friends Waiting for the day your ship will come in And the tide's gonna turn and it's all gonna roll your way Working nine to five We couldn't really play anything else other than 9 to 5 by Dolly Parton because we are talking about work and we're talking about transforming work with Nina Fountain. Nina, welcome back. Thank you. So, uh, right, thank you. So, um, just before the track, um, we were talking about, or I set the question of, right, how do we actually do this? How do we transform the workplaces? And I know that you work with larger organizations, sort of 100 plus, it says on, on, on your website. And if anyone's interested, transformteams.com is where you can go to find out all about Nina's um, you know, Nina's purpose, Nina's mission. Um, how do you actually, when you walk into an organization, maybe what are the top three or five things that you're going to do to help them move forward? So... The three are the de- focused on the decisions they're making, so it's a it's a strategy piece. Then we're looking at the team conversation, so there's a team coaching piece, and then sometimes there's a change management around uh, the workplace the workplace change that they're wanting to bring in as well. Mm-hmm. So the the strategy piece is at the moment the questions are how much space do we need, what should that space offer our people, and which workplace model should we be adopting Mm -hmm. as in should it be traditional allocated workstations should we be going with activity-based working should we have some hot desks and what should our workplace 
what should our workplace model be as in the space that we're working in and our ways of working to complement that. Um, so there's a there's a number of decisions there for an mm-hmm. organization. They, um, if a you know a smaller organization was looking to do the same, they've essentially got to think about the workplace now, not just as the building and not just as flexible working, but as really how do the two interact? So mm-hmm. is there a way of working that's complemented by the space and does the space offer what's needed for that way of working? And so it's no, it's definitely no longer the case that you can put people in a building and expect nine to five that they're going to turn up and, and do great work, be co-located. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that normal has shifted. Those expectations are so far from that now that there's a need to understand what's going to be productive. Okay. What's going to be- so the, the, yeah. the productivity mm-hmm. side of thing is really key because you're turning up mm-hmm. from nine to five. Yeah, we know, that, and I think there are American studies that show that you're only productive for three and a half hours of that nine to five period. Um, so how do we help? You know, what, what is it that helps people become more um, more productive? Hmm. It's about hugely about managing place and time. And so previously, we didn't really make decisions around place and time. They were decided for us. It was nine to five in the office. Mm-hmm. Now there are individual decisions and then there's team level decisions that need to be made around where and when will the, will the work get done. And so that means then that's where the team piece comes in around understanding the kind of work that can be done asynchronously. So mm-hmm. that means not i don't need to be there at the same time you and i can't do this radio show asynchronously it just wouldn't work we need to be in conversation interesting yep (laughs) (laughs) yep give that a go (laughs) and then you've got your synchronous work which is what we're doing now Mm -hmm. you're at the same same time um we're not same place so this is a perfect example of of synchronous work Mm -hmm. first and then and then you've got um, the decisions around place. So place, people actually being in the office together, that's still the best way to get collaboration work done and to do those types of communication that we were talking about where there's something you know that's sensitive or it's sophisticated or it's nuanced or um, it's complex. Mm-hmm. And there's in-person communication for that kind of work is still very much the, the best way to bond as well to mm-hmm. do that's another piece of it is to do that mingling and, and connecting and um, home can be often a great source of focus for people and yep. energy um so working at home to do that asynchronous work that energizes um through through being really focused and getting a lot done um that can be a great place for that and then um and then yeah, those conversations might be made by an individual mm-hmm. or they may need to happen together as a team around which which work gets done where. Because in the middle of all of that, you've got your technology platforms. So when someone's right. not <laughs> in the office, this is, you know, they're now meeting on tech mm-hmm. and teams aren't always coordinated around how they do that. Um, so practically they need to understand you know, when and where is a meeting happening, as in which platform or which location? How will we make sure our information is flowing between us 
in the way that it could have fell easily if we were in the same space. Now our information systems need to do a really good job of ensuring that we have a single source of truth. I think that that's, I mean, it's when, when we do, when we do resilience workshops with businesses, one of the, one of the bits that we talk about um, is communication. And yeah. while, look, I mean, your in-person meetings are, are, are the, the gold standard, but when that can't happen, mm-hmm. how do you make the others work? And we start all the way from, you know, how good is an email when we're talking about actually our ability to communicate um, all the way up through um, tech to um, to in-person mm-hmm. meetings. Um, yeah, and it's, I, I mean, I, I, I'm very much of the view that, um, you know, tech is great, but... Um, because you I mean text great you can record it all you've got a recording of exactly what happened rather than people's opinions of what happened but I think I mean your, your view in person meetings the best the best for certain purposes right <clears throat> do you agree that in person meetings really they, they have such an important place mm-hmm. and that's where a high quality rich communication experience happens um but some meetings are are actually burdened by that because the the meeting should really just be about quick, efficient information flow. Totally. And yeah. <laughs> that could be done. Often those kinds of meetings could be replaced with a spreadsheet that's accessed in the cloud. You know, where mm-hmm. people could they could provide their updates. So I think this is what teams are grappling with at the moment: is 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 a meeting the right place and there's a huge proliferation of meetings because some things that actually probably could be replaced with a, an information system mm-hmm. happening in meetings instead and I think there's there's another layer to that uh, as well it's it's about the information flow and how the system's supporting the work it's, yeah it's, I mean I've got a rule that meetings shouldn't last longer than 45 minutes because yeah at that point yeah I'm ready to stab myself in the eye with a spoon or something but um, <laughs> yeah that's yeah and we know that the human brain can't really do more than 40 minutes before it gets overloaded so you know 40 minutes I also heard the other day and I can't I'll have to check I, 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 um, I, I can't remember who it was but um, you know, whether it was Google or um, you're one of one of the big tech companies. Um, the number of people invited to a meeting have got to be able to be fed by two pizzas. What yes, a great it, idea! Um, Jeff Bezos. That's it. Yeah. It, yeah. Reportedly rumored to. And what size is the pizza? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, but I think I mean it's so important that we we often have meetings for to decide what the meeting is going to be about. Or to decide yeah. what the next meeting is going to be about, rather than, and I mean, yeah, remember in the olden days we had agendas, where yes. yeah, it was actually st- yeah, this is what we're going to talk about, this is the outcome we're looking for, and I think oh, yeah, Darling's view is that you know quite often in organisations I've worked with, yeah, the meetings don't seem to have outcomes, and mm. therefore we're actually taking away people's ability to be productive. Yes. Yeah, this is a huge, this is actually an area of science. There's a mm-hmm. whole meeting science around, you know, the way we manage the, that information flow, essentially. And I think there's some other things that are happening there as well. There's problem solving. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're collaborating together often. And, and then there's um, change meetings where we're trying to bring people in on on a new direction. And so then it becomes really important to kind of gauge the room and see how people are, are responding. And then there's a 
too many catch-up meetings. Like you said, mm-hmm. there's a meeting to plan the next meeting to plan the next meeting because we're just kind of catching up on the fact that one of the meetings at the start of that run wasn't wasn't actually very well managed. Mm-hmm. And so there is, you know, there is a, a science around it. The best meetings I've been in have been the ones where there is a meeting process manager. So give yep. them whatever name you want. They aren't... Um, necessarily a full participant in the meeting, their whole role is to ensure that the meeting runs effectively. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that organisations could be looking at more. Employers could actually be focused on that a lot more and could share that role around so everyone gets a, gets an experience to see. I, I, I think sometimes... Yeah, where am I going with this? Um, in in my olden days, in, in, in the military, whenever we had the big meetings... I always made sure that one of the most junior officers was invited in. Yeah, he had, he had no reason to be there at all other than to be there and to watch the decision-making process and the dynamics of yeah, quite important meetings that were making some you know, fairly gnarly decisions, but they were invited to be a part of it. And uh, yeah, in the, the last decade while I've been in business, I've always made sure that board meetings have always had, they've not been the board secretary, but I've always invited you know, any of the team in to come and sit in the board meetings just to gather that experience. Because not only are they gathering experience, when you do the feedback with them, they sometimes see the things that we miss because we were always in there. Exactly. Because people in there are focused on what are they going to say next? <laughs> totally. Really, no, that is the majority of people not necessarily is this a conversation worth having how well are our decision making processes supporting us here have we gone where we didn't think we, we wanted to go mm-hmm. yeah all huge what we set out to achieve you know so yeah yeah it's amazing how much the ego comes into play i don't mean ego with a capital e but just yeah just human nature rather than ego comes into play that you know, the the meetings yeah you know, well a board meeting always runs for three hours yeah does it have to um, please no. Um, so, look, um, yeah, I, this has been absolutely awesome, and we could continue on for like ever. So, you must come back onto the show at some point in the future, and yeah, we'll 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 talk about some other aspect of the workplace. But before we get to the most important question of the whole conversation, um, what's yeah, if if there are people listening into um, the Resilient Show today and they've enjoyed this and they've jumped onto um, transformteams.com and they've looked at it and thought, yeah, that's great, but and yeah, they're, they're maybe not quite ready to to jump on for that you know for that that conversation with you what's the one thing that a business owner could do right now it's friday morning right now that would actually create or begin a fundamental shift within their business they could actually declare a meeting free afternoon right Relatively easy to do for just an afternoon. Mm-hmm. Gets harder once you're declaring a meeting-free day or, or a yep. meeting-free two days. But uh, they could be tempted by some of the research that came out of the University of Reading mm-hmm. earlier this year, showing that the, the productivity went up by something around 48% um, on a one meeting-free day. So you can get a little bit of that with an afternoon of focus mm-hmm. there's big organizations that have done this employers you know big tech companies have experimented with it over the years and uh, it's worth checking out that university of reading research because then 
you see what happened with two meeting-free days, it goes up to 71%, the productivity boost. That's phenomenal. Phenomenal numbers. And it's sort of of obvious, but it's obviously not. One of the the things I introduce in businesses is uh, a weekly morning coffee that causes everyone to come together. And I started it when I commanded the Defence School of Intelligence. I had 200 staff. And I invited yes. them to coffee once a week. The first complaint was, who's going to pay for the coffee? Second complaint was, who's going to bake the cakes? We dealt with all of that. Um, and we just said, look, you know, the headquarters is open for anyone who wants a cup of coffee and a cake. And that was everyone from the most junior soldier to me. Um, but what happened was people began to talk People who'd never met before. Your very junior soldiers got access to the commanding officer, you know, the chief exec. Um, and then other people started asking if they could host the coffee mornings for us. And that then shifted the dynamics. So, I mean, I think you, we don't have to do the big, massive things that you know, we think we should. Sometimes it's the little moves that get us started. Yeah. Those tiny little shifts that go, I mean, yeah, who wouldn't be overjoyed with a meeting-free afternoon? That's right. And it seems like such a small thing. Can it really, could it really make such an impact? And then you see that research. And and if you try it, you know, ask your team, do a little experiment before and after mm-hmm. to ask, just get them to rate on one to 10 how productive they feel or how engaged they feel or how focused they are. And then do it you know, two weeks later and I'll do that same test and just see, let the data speak for itself. Awesome. It is amazing. Brilliant. Thank you very much. That's the year. I'm going to try it this afternoon. Um, and I work by myself. Um, right. <laughs> the most important question you've got. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, you chose um, titanium. See ya. I did. Tell I me did. why. I, so how long have you got? I- <laughs> as long as you want. <laughs> Well, I've got a, a probably a three-layered um, connection with this song. So Sia was an artist I came across well before she was famous and, and thought, finally, someone in pop who is really easy to listen to and mm-hmm. who I could actually listen to more and more of their music. Um, so it's been fantastic to see her go on and become incredibly well-known and, you know, right for some of the, the biggest stars around today, as well as have her own hits. Mm-hmm. Um Bulletproof is the line that really stands out to me in the song. And I think there's there's moments in life when we sometimes feel that we are bulletproof and then um, life shows you that you're not as bulletproof mm-hmm. as you thought you were. Yep. And, yet, <laughs> and yet it's still, I think, the thing that we're aiming for. It's still something that we all want to feel. We want that feeling of being on top of the, on top of the, the mountain, you know, hands in the air I'm kind of nothing can get me I'm invisible yeah no and so you know that's why we exercise we eat well we we do the mindset work we we still I think want that we're hungry for that feeling and and then I have had moments when I have felt like that and I and I love those moments and I you know if I'm a fairly dopamine fueled um individual I think (laughs) and so so, yeah I think bulletproof has those that that concept of bulletproofness Mm -hmm. has those two aspects where you you've either you're kind of striving for it and you want it sometimes and you definitely don't feel it um and then other times we do have those that sense and it's just the the fragility of life and the and the the magic of it as well the fragility of life and the ownership of it if you choose 
Mm, yes. Awesome. Uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation, and um, you know, I really look forward to inviting you back on the show at some point in the future. But for now, Love. let's see if we can make this work. Here it is.
Titanium. Titanium. How do you pronounce it? Uh, by Sia. What a great conversation that was, wasn't it? What a Imagine just doing work a little bit differently. Oh, imagine a day, a half a day with no meetings. Oh, wouldn't that just be joyous? Half a day with no meetings. Or maybe have that coffee morning, gather people together and have that conversation um, over a cup of coffee. You'll have very, very different conversations and you'll meet very, very different people. Just as you probably meet different people if you weren't running backwards and forwards to lots and lots of meetings. Um, and hey, if you do have to go to meetings, give yourself 15 minutes after each one. Before the next one, don't go back to back because then your energy just falls as the day goes on. Well, um, if you are interested in looking at more about Transform Teams, take a look at transformteams.com. That's Nina's um, website. Have a look. Um, and we will, you're just um, while we were listening to her track, we were saying, well, we'll get Nina back on the show at some point in the future to talk more about this, more about being smarter and at work because, well, that's what it's all about. We spend an awful lot of our lives in the workplace. So yeah, this isn't about working for, from home, not working from home. As Nina said, it's about working smartly. What works for us? Where do we need to be in the office? Where can we not be in the office? But also trusting one another that we have the best interests of the organisation at heart. Well, oh, I'm really quite fired up after that, but we're going to dive into the book review next. Um, <clears throat> as I say, having the opportunity to do nothing for a few days, um, which isn't something I do much of, um, I had the opportunity to pick up books that have been sitting around the house for a little while. Um, and you know, I, I'm one of those people that folds the corners of books down um, to see where I'd got to. And there were a few sitting around the house that had been sitting there for a while. I've already, I, I spoke about one a few weeks ago, Abundance by Deepak Chopra, which was, yeah, is an amazing book. I finally got to finishing it and it is such a great book um if you want me to paraphrase the whole book just walk around the place saying i am enough okay i've just saved you 200 pages of reading um but that's not the one that um that i choose to review today um this is a book that uh, i picked up um i i happened to see it in the shops now for yeah i i I either read um, using um, my device or sometimes I pick up books because I still love that. Is it old fashioned? I still love that traditional feel of a book in my hand. Um, I read this author's first um, autobiography. This is his second one um, a good few years ago. And his first book was called Not My Father's Son. Um, and this second autobiography is called Baggage, Tales from a Fully Packed Life, um, written by Alan Cumming. Now, I've got a wee bit of a history with the actor Alan Cumming. Um, when he was in his early 30s, um, he and um, one of his uh, colleagues at um, what's now the Conservatoire in Glasgow, uh, the Royal School of Performing Arts, uh, wrote a TV programme um, called... Uh, oh, no, it's gone. 
um, called. It was all about. Um, it was. It was all about a second-rate airline in um, in 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 Scotland, um, and yeah, there were only only ever six made, but abs- absolutely priceless. About two flight attendants and the challenges that they had um, in behaving themselves and keeping their jobs while they were flying for Air Scotia. Um, that was my first. Um, the first time I ever met or saw Alan coming um, and then he was also in X-Men 2 and then uh, he was in um, a Bond film, he was one of the baddies in GoldenEye um, while also performing um, cabaret on stage in a numerous different locations um, and then going on to play um, yes, play some great um, lead roles in, um, in, in New York crime and um, and legal dramas the good wife um, one of them that um, that jumps to the fore uh, this is a book about um, a wee laddie uh, who was brought up in Scotland abusive father um, doting mother and how he went I mean I'm sort of covering both the books here but how he then went on to become um, one of the United States certainly um, New York East Coast side um, most beloved Um, he has been in I was surprised at the number of films that he has been in and this book tells his story um, in a rather well I mean it's funny but it's honest and fearless. Yeah, he talks about um, failed marriages. He talks about his relationships with men and women. He talks about his his marriage and his his life with uh, with his his husband in the um, in the Catskills north of New York. But it is a book that is very much grounding. Um, you heard me say earlier on in the show, um, you're. It's not about our past. It's about walking into our future. Well, that was really what I took away from um, from Alan Cumming and his book, Baggage. Um, it's an uncomfortable read in places, uh, but it's a very, very amusing read. And it left me deep in thought, very, very deep in thought about his life, my life, and what we can all be doing to take responsibility, to walk forward into our future rather than continue to carry the baggage of our past. See what I did there?
Christina's Perry and a thousand years back from the good old days of Breaking Dawn and Twilights and werewolves and vampires and all that stuff. Um, that's a little while ago now, isn't it? Um, so we're going to stay on the um, on the subject of uh, of work, but um, I want to shift it a little bit. Um, I'm going to share, and, and I'm sure she won't mind because I'm not going to tell you the exact ins and outs of it. But I had a, I had a message from um, our daughter the uh, the other day, <clears throat> and basically, um, the gist of it was, um, Dad, can we have a conversation on board? It took slightly longer than that, but um, there are occasions in um, there are occasions in the relationship that I have with with my kids. Most of the time, I'm dad. Every now and again, I get the call that says, "Can you stop being dad and be my coach for a minute?" And this was one of those conversations. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm bored. Uh, right? Okay. Uh, now, boredom is uh, boredom is nothing more than life being too certain. That's all it is. Uh, you'll have heard me say before that the number one thing that we all require, all us human beings, in fact, all of us um, mammals, require certainty. Um, once we have certainty through love and belonging, um, once we have that certainty, then we can go on and begin to achieve uh, things in life. And we do that through seeking out new adventures. We go out and seek variety. But when that variety dries up and maybe the job we're doing um, is a little bit stale, maybe the relationship we're in isn't as exciting as we'd hoped it would be, maybe where we live isn't giving us what we were we were hoping it would, um, well, we become stuck in a rut. We forget that as human beings, once we have certainty, we need, we strive for variety. And variety comes through learning. Because there are two sides to having a job. There are two sides to work, two sides to our mission. One side is, of course, um, getting that paycheck and being able to pay the bills and um, hopefully uh, get out and, and have some fun in life. The other side is to feel fulfilled. We choose to learn. You know, there's a there was a study done that says once you earn more than one hundred sixty thousand dollars, and I don't know if that's U.S. or Kiwi, one hundred sixty thousand dollars. Then beyond that, actually, do you know what? You've you've for the most part got enough money. Um, and yes, you can make more, but um, your 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 level of happiness isn't going to increase much once you got beyond that threshold. Um, but when we stop learning, 
we really begin to struggle. When we stop learning, yet stuff, it gets a little bit boring. So if we're in a job that we have learned everything we can in, then we begin to feel bored. We begin to feel that, mm, do you know what? Um, this isn't what I choose for me. So start learning again. Find some other facet of work that you can begin to grow or start a side hustle or begin to study outside of work. Because when we're learning, our brain is engaged. And when our brain is engaged, then we are pleasing. We get that dopamine rush. We are pleasing both parts of our mission. Part of it is to earn. The other part of it is um, is to learn. Because if we stop learning, then frankly, every day is just going to be a bad day. Where is the moment we needed the most? You kick up the leaves and the magic is lost. Tell me your blue skies fade to grey Tell me your passion's gone away And I don't need no care or You stand in the line just to hit a new love You're faking a smile with the coffee to go And tell me your life's been way off Cause you had a bad day You take it one down You sing a sad song to-
bad day. Daniel Powter on Fresh FM. This is the last bit of The Resilient Show uh, this morning. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, yeah, we're bringing the show into land. Uh, and that was Bad Day by Daniel Powter. I did you a favour there. Um, the uh, the Chipmunks, the film The Chipmunks, um, played a version of Bad Day to start. I remember it well. We were in, um, cool, uh, God dear, it's years ago now, must be 2009 or so, we were living in Canada and um, Alvin and the Chipmunks was one of the films that our kids were desperate to see at the cinema. We went to it and um, yeah, Bad Day by Alvin and the Chipmunks is actually quite a good version, but I chose to save you from that one this morning. That was Daniel Powter with the original. Well, that was um, the Resilient Show for this Friday. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been fun. I've learnt a whole stack. The TV show that um, first introduced me to Alan Cumming that I forgot about was called um, The High Life. Take a look for it. I don't know if it's available on um, on YouTube, but have a look. Absolutely priceless. Um, a great introduction to Alan Cumming. Um, or have a watch at GoldenEye where he um, where he played the Bond baddie. Um, his book, we reviewed um, Baggage and mentioned his first um, autobiography, Not My Father's Son. Two absolutely amazingly honest books about an upbringing in Scotland and a life on camera and in the theatre. And how good was that conversation we had with Nina Fountain about transformed teams, how to be smarter in the workplace? And what was that epic piece of advice? Have an afternoon with no meetings. Go on, I dare you. It's Friday. So maybe before you finish today, choose a day next week where you... And the rest of the guys in the office won't hold a meeting. That's it. No meetings for an afternoon. Go and suggest it to um, to the owner of the business or your boss. Um, you have a look at the. Um, you get online and have a look at the University of, of Reading results for um, for when they actually did the experiment and take that. You know, show that um, you even if you are not the owner or the chief exec of the organisation, show that you are a leader within the organisation. Man, that's going to throw the cat amongst said pigeons, isn't it? Um, so yeah, go have a go what a great idea and look maybe if that's a step too far how about going and grabbing a coffee with your work colleagues if you're part of a team go grab a coffee with them yeah you don't have to go out to the coffee shop you can just have it around the water cooler go and grab a coffee get to know one another a little bit more because you know one thing that we are proving with every one of the workshops that we are doing at the moment when you understand your own working style and when you understand one and others working styles then do you know what all of a sudden an awful lot of the stress goes out of the working environment. It becomes a place that you might even begin to enjoy heading into. Um, Oh dear, there are so many subjects there, but we're going to kill it there. We're going to stop because this was The Resilient Show. The title of today's show was Work, and it's dedicated to everyone who found the way through the last two years, maybe finding a new way of working, maybe looking 
at the world of work in a slightly different way. Um, I will be back next Friday with another guest. I um, can't remember who it is next week because we missed out talking to Monica last week because we were we were down with COVID. Um, but we've got, a, we've got a live guest on the show next week again. But thanks so much to Nina um, this week for, um, for being such an informative and fun guest to have on. And what a great choice of music too. That was The Resilient Show for this week. I will see you again next week for a brand new show. But we've not played any Tim McGraw today. So really, really important that we play out with Tim McGraw because my plan is that you know if we play Tim McGraw often enough, he will be a guest on our show in the future. That's my plan. That's what I'm working towards. And look, whatever your work life looks like, however you feel about the job you have, remember, if we live like we're dying, then every day can be so exciting and we can achieve so much. I will see you next week. I was in my early forties With a lot of life before me When a moment came that stopped me on a dime I spent most of the next days Looking at the x-rays Talking about the options And talking about sweet time I asked him when it sank in this might really be the real end How's it hit you when you get that kind of news? Man, what you do? And he said I went skydiving I went Rocky Mountain climbing I went 2.7 seconds On a full name from Manchu And I looked deeper I've been denying And he said Someday I hope you get the chance To live like you were dying He said I was finally the husband And most of the time I wasn't I became a friend a friend would like to have And all of a sudden going fishing Wasn't such an imposition And I went three times that year I lost my dad Well, I, I finally read the good book And I took a good long hard look At what I'd do if I could do it all again I went skydiving, I went Rocky Mountain climbing, I went 2.7 seconds on a full name from Manchin. And I looked deeper and I spoke sweeter and I gave forgiveness I've been denying. And he said, someday I hope.
podcast you just listened to was a live recording of a radio show, first broadcast on Fresh FM, the Top of the South's community access media station, with support from New Zealand On Air. The funding of Access Media makes these podcasts possible. To find similar programs by other community access media stations, go online to accessmedia.nz.